Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Walter Bosley channel. And as you guys know, this is the first Wednesday of the month. And that means an episode of California with our friend Todd Wood. And this particular episode, Todd and I both have been excited about this because Todd's brought a very special guest. And we're going to be discussing um, this book of his, plus some other stuff that uh, resonates with all this. But um, William Ramsey is the guest tonight on California. So let me bring Todd and William into the show. Welcome, Todd and William. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Good to see everybody. So let me see here. Get my glasses so I can see my card. Um, I think, William, that uh, the first thing to do is for those who still may not know much about the the infamous Aleister Crowley. Um, how about you give us some basics from your perspective and your research on Aleister Crowley? Well, I mean, I kind of went through and looked at a lot of his documents in private collections, special collections, mm -hmm. but he was born in 875, died in 1947. He was from a very wealthy family. He was the only child and kind of grew up in luxury private schools. They would call them public schools in the UK. But uh, he was part of the Plymouth Brethren, which was a subset. It was really an exclusive Brethren, a subset of the Plymouth Brethren. Uh, people know Darby. So he kind of grew up in a kind of sterile religious environment, which he eventually rebelled against and uh, ended up at Cambridge and really kind of took off and was interested in mountain climbing, poetry, and the occult. And really started off kind of uh, moved away from Christianity and really kind of became a scholar of esoteric esotericism global esotericism really uh so he was really had a first-rate mind and traveled the world he was able to kind of travel and write at the same time it's kind of an interesting guy to kind of trace because he's never in one place for very long he's constantly moving from the uk uh maybe to switzerland to do mountain climbing to india to mexico so he's constantly bouncing around and he actually is, is like noted in, in mountaineering history in not a good way. Uh, so he kind of blasted his reputation in India. And on the way back from one of his trips with his wife, he had this seminal event in 1904 in Egypt, where he said he received this book, the Book of the Law. And it eventually became the centerpiece of his religion that he called the Lima. And it kind of was a mix of like esotericism, ceremonial magic. And... Um, he kind of bounced around. He was in the U.S. during World War One as an active uh, agent of the British Empire at that time. I saw you wrote a book with Richard Spence. I've had him on my show. So that's yes, indeed. Six six. Yeah. So right. excellent book. Um, so that's yeah. it. Then he ends up in Italy. He's kicked out of Italy by Mussolini. Then he's uh, in France. Gets kicked out of France for being a spy. Ends up in Germany during the end of the Weimar Republic as Hitler comes to power. So he's in front interesting places at interesting times. There's no question about it. Um, and becomes the head of the OTO, which really was a German 
uh, secret society, the Ordo Templi Orientis, I think in 1925. It kind of integrates his ideas into that and uh, becomes a really a heroin addict. He was never really in great, he was in great health when he was younger, but he eventually had asthma and uh, ended up in a boarding house in Hastings at the very southern part of the UK or British Isle as an old, old man and died in 1947 at 72. But I think the really the interesting thing about Crowley, and I think that's what he intended to do, is really influence. He wanted to be very influential. He said that after leaving Cambridge, you know, I'm going to be a light. I can't remember the direct verbatim quote that he made, but I think that he's referenced by, even us today are still talking about him, referenced by so many people in the culture and counterculture after 1947. People in the occult reference him and people in the arts and music. And I did a whole book on that called Children of the Beast, where I kind of showed his right. influence of people that we all know, whether right. it's The Doors, Zeppelin, Beatles. I mean, it's it's really incredible how many people went through a Crowley phase. So that was oh, really yeah. kind of my book. That was the basic, that's basically Crowley as you have. Yeah. Do you, um, coming away from all your research on the man so far, do you see him as particularly um, an evil person or how do, how do you see him? Where do, where do you classify I him? I think so. I mean, I think that's the title of my book, Prophet of Evil. I think he saw himself a prophet of a new age. He deliberately wanted to overthrow Christianity that he hated, that he was True. brought up. And so he was going to call it Crowleyanity. And I have a quote. He was talking to a, a writer called Clifford Bax in, mm -hmm. uh, in Europe. And he said, you know, at the end of this century, people will be basking in the the veil of the sunset of Crowleyanity. So he was, I mean, it, he was very ambitious in his early life, constantly writing. So I would say, put him, I mean, I, uh, my perspective is a Christian perspective. I put him in the camp of evil. I think that his promises for people and what he tried to give this freedom and mm -hmm. uh, detachment and man as God is all kind of evil philosophy. And uh, a lot of them, I mean, you can just see his wreckage in his life, the people that were around him, the people that followed him in the occult mm -hmm. met kind of uh sinister like despondent ends if they went insane or committed suicide so um those are all yeah. in my book do you um do do you see him well then i think that answers my next question was a a deliberately harmful evil or do you see him as reckless with the magic and the occultism oh it's a good question i mean i think that he was I think he got his kind of uh, some of his powers from a, what he took in opposition to Christianity. He actually said, like, I never actually disputed its tenets. I just fought against it. And he right. really kind of overthrew. So he was definitely, if you read the world's tragedy, the world's tragedy to Crowley is Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. And mm -hmm. he wrote that play to have him, this kind of magician who sacrifices babies to supplant Christ. And he included a lot of the defamatory salacious like lies told about jesus in the world's tragedy so that's just mm -hmm. one example um so he's constantly counter you know counterpoising his opinions against mm -hmm. his perception of christianity whether it's yeah. right or not i mean we can talk about darby but a lot of these people at uh, darby's doctrines are pretty interesting themselves so people his perception of christianity is tainted i think by darby mm -hmm. and his ideas yeah, he was definitely um, the, the the his position on Christianity was um, well documented and uh, often expressed, you know, by him. Uh, that that's a fact. Now he's famous for 
um, the phrase, the philosophy, do as thou wilt, do as thou wilt. Um, and I think most people think that that idea, that philosophy originated with him, but actually that goes back to the days of the Hellfire Club, correct? It predates that. It goes back to Rabelais. Rabelais had this oh. kind of uh, group of okay. Lima, and I think it's in Pant Gargantua and Pantagruel. He had this mm -hmm. traveling group that adopted that saying in French was Nese Boudras, which is on the core cover of the Hellfire Club. But yeah, I mean, it goes, it predates Crowley. There's no question about it. Were there, um, I, I think there were, uh, I'm trying to remember if the, the Hellfire Club was just in England. Correct. Correct. Yeah, that was yes. uh, the Hellfire Clubs were in kind of it was like they were called the Merry Men of Medmenham, and they had mm -hmm. this kind of one of them was the the Exchequer. So these weren't these were the elites of the time, I think, mm -hmm. uh, around Benjamin Franklin who attended Hellfire Club meetings. But they were yeah. uh, there's actually the the Hellfire Club catacombs are still exist, and you can visit those. And they would meet there and basically do the kind of perverse rituals of their time. Maybe they were the mm -hmm. skull and bones of their time and bringing prostitutes, alcohol, and, you know, engage in all kinds of uh, dressing yeah. up and, uh, you know, dark stuff. I don't know if anybody's really got all that down. There's actually a couple of good books about the Hellfire Clubs, but yeah, they were, uh, they were excellent. I'm trying one, to remember what the guy's name was. One, uh, one thing I can, can say, I don't know. I was aware of uh, Franklin, um, his association, but did he ever write anything or say anything about the Hellfire Club? Not to my knowledge. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know that he was the head of the Mas 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 the first Masonic Lodge in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So he definitely mm -hmm. had a Masonic uh, heritage or, you know, he was definitely involved in that. How much of that, how much of his involvement? Of, mm -hmm. He was a libertine, like for a kind of founding member of the United right. States. I think he liked the ladies and spent a lot of time with them. And that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, during the Civil I think during the Revolutionary War, there was one of his sons was actually fighting under the crown against the U.S. So he had a very colorful life. There's no question about it. Interesting guy. Interesting guy. And this, of course, is all part of that history leading up to the time of Aleister Crowley. And, and you know, it was among uh, his influences. Have, have you found that um, anything about Crowley? And and I, as I asked this, we know that he used he would encourage such things. But um, have you found anything said or or claimed about Crowley to be an exaggeration? Or have you found in your research that it's all backed up and factual? Uh, the, something that he lied about. I mean. Well, um, you know, are, are, are there any things you're aware of that, that people often assume about him or or claim about him that actually, you know, aren't true? You know, because a lot of times, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte oh, was just true. classically trashed and character assassinated way beyond the facts and the truth, you know, by British historians and the British at the time. I'm wondering if, if you know, uh, if, if there was anything said about Crowley you know, that, that, that wasn't true that you found in your research? Well, I think that's good. I mean, some people dispute his authenticity, whether he's an authentic occultist or he's determined or spent his life. They think one of the things that I've come across in 13 years of studying Crowley and being kind of publicly 
maybe in the anti-Crowley position when most people are pro-Crowley, is that his whole life was an intel op and that yeah. it started from Cambridge and never ended in 1947. There's no question that he was uh, associated with the secret intelligence service, according to Spence, but he also did weird things. He traveled to Russia during really kind of a heady time before the 1917 revolution, which was 1904, 1905. That was just another element of him traveling around and doing stuff. He also was involved in sending letters to uh, Ian Fleming back in during World War II when Hess made that strange uh, flight to northern mm -hmm. UK to try to facilitate peace. Like that's there. Yeah. So people think that because of that, 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 the, that the occultism was just some kind of flippant cover. And I don't believe that at all. I think that right. he was an asset and occultist. And I think there's a cultist. Occult, I mean, there's a whole book to be written about occultists who are in the Secret Service, but they are believing hmm. in cultists. So Crowley, to say that it's kind of rich to say that it was all a cover when he's doing things by himself, when he's mm -hmm. doing workings by himself. Sure. Yeah. When there's nobody there to handle him, uh, that he's branding these women on the chest with the mark of the beast. Like this mm -hmm. would just be so fake and over the top. He's doing the Jurensis working and the Isle right. Mantra working and all these other things. And writing it down, like he had a huge magical record that wasn't publicized. So like you, why would he be doing these kind of uh, strange things that are associated with magic and occultism that never saw the light of day? Right. So I think that that's kind of one thing that I think is a misstatement about Crowley is that he was all just a big act. He did go through a phase uh, later in his life where he regretted itself, where he, I mean, you can see it in my book, Prophet of Evil. He's like, oh man, this mm -hmm. is all a waste of time. What am I doing? Am I insane? Um, you know, so I think that he might've second guessed that whole thing. There's also, I've seen a quote recently that came, came out of this, um, uh, repository of Crowley information that's in the UK. It's the biggest one there. And it said, mm -hmm. like, he was sending something to Jack Parsons, who he considered to be yeah. his number one follower in the US at the Agape Lodge, where he said, hey, all this magic stuff is a bunch of baloney. But that was in the time of his life where he was, like, at the, frustrated at the end of the rope. But then there's actually, to counter counterbalance that, which really I think is important, is that even at the end of his life, he was putting together letters and teaching people about magic. And it's, mm -hmm. it's categorized in a book called Magic Without Tears, which he was writing almost all the way up until his death in 47. So just, and that's another example, like he's supposedly mm -hmm. running some Intel op, like just talking to people about magic and actually working on what's known as the Toth or Thoth tarot mm -hmm. cards. So it's kind of uh, absurd. It's, I don't think it's a tenable position for people to have that. Everything that he was doing was just all into like, silly. Uh, hey, I agree I, with you on that. I, I think he was definitely the every bit the occultist that we know him as. Todd, you had a question? Yeah, um, just because, you know, you never know who's a newbie in, in like the chat or no one maybe no one knows certain things. Can you kind of give a brief explainer on who Jack Parsons is and his relationship to Aleister Crowley? Just for sure. anybody who doesn't know. Parsons was from Pasadena in Southern California, and he kind of grew up with an interest in the occult, too. Uh, he would talk to Werner Von Braun. And Werner Von Braun was close at this kind of, uh, not, I think, this outfit 
in Pasadena, and that which future became JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is almost like a college college campus north of Pasadena now. But uh, Parsons became interested in rocketry, but also the occult. So he kind of had this varied uh, life, kind of like Crowley's interest in poetry and mag magic climbing or uh, mountain climbing in the occult. Parsons was rocketry, and he was always in contact with Crowley. There's a lot of letters and things like that. And he became the head of Crowley's, like a Crowley Lodge called the Agape Lodge. And eventually, uh, accidentally, supposedly, or maybe intentionally, somebody killed him, blew, him, blew up in Pasadena on Orange Grove Road, kind of a swanky road. But uh, he thought of himself as like carrying on the work of Crowley. He had this follow-on to the Book of the Law. He took the oath of the Antichrist. He was friends with L. Ron Hubbard for a time. They kind of shared a girlfriend who ran off with Hubbard. And Hubbard was also a Crowley aficionado, and he started uh, Scientology. It yeah. was really, it was called um, Dianetics in 48, and then 50, and he thought he was carrying on Crowley's work as well. So there's this kind of, the idea of like my book, like the Children of the Beast, is these people are the magical children of these other magicians, that's a, magicians and that's the way they think. But uh, Parsons uh, was associated with a lot of interesting people and, and kind of like this environment in Southern California of science fiction and movies and a lot of uh, creative type of people like that. Yeah. I think Parsons um, is, 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 is an obvious connection uh, between Crowley and the United States military industrial complex because of Parsons so. legendary you know, uh, rocket engineering status. No doubt. I mean, these all there. It, it, like, it's interesting too because it's, it goes all the way up to the future. At the very beginning, it was three guys. It was uh, Parson. They called themselves the Suicide Squad because they were always blowing stuff up. It was Foreman, <laughs> Parsons, and a guy from. Uh, he was from Czechoslovakia, and his son married. Uh, Maxwell's daughter. So one of the daughters of Maxwell is directly associated by family relationships to the Suicide Squad and Parsons. You know, Parsons friend. I can't remember the guy's name. It was Foreman and something else. I can't remember. But yeah, it's interesting. So that's that right there has a lot of fascinating potential. I mean, what was their access to Maxwell? I wonder. Hmm. Um, well, they're you know. very much. I mean, the Maxwells were very much in kind of. Uh, uh, in the tech environment and she was mm -hmm. i can't remember which maxwell it wasn't Ghislaine, it was uh, this other sister but they were involved in some early database programs and yeah. and and uh robert maxwell's real name was abraham um he had a kind of a check last name too it was abraham mm -hmm. laszlo so he went through a few name changes but maxwell himself was interested in, he had his own publishing company called pergamon breast that's mm -hmm. in the Bible. That's where Satan lives. Like the, right, his Satan. throne, correct? His throne, yeah. yeah. And actually, Hitler actually copied the kind of Temple of Pergamon for his speeches, which pretty scary. Um, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, Maxwell was involved in a lot of like scientific writing and things like that. He had a very uh, interest, inter interest, and very good. a lot of friends in the Mossad and a lot of heads of state of Israel too. So. And actually, Parsons had a problem with Israel. Like he had a problem with the American government. And there's a lot of FBI files on Parsons about trying to figure out what he was up to. They couldn't quite get into the depths of his attraction and, and practice of Thelema, 
but they know that he was involved in possibly uh, giving some of his technical information to the Israeli state. And there was a, there's a, there, uh, the records of that investigation still exist. Hmm. Well, let's, uh, let's go into your, uh, the book here, Prophet of Evil. I, uh, I admit when I first got my copy, I, um, yeah, there it is. <laughs> She's holding it up for me. Um, I jump right into things. I, <laughs> I jump right into the middle. You know, Ray Bradbury used to say the best way to read a book, he was referring to fiction, but he said, jump into the middle, read the, to the end, and then go back and read from the beginning. To and, and I have a bad habit being a researcher. I'm sure you relate to this where, you know, you want to get to certain points. And I got to tell you, the first thing I looked at in your book before going back and starting to look at the previous stuff was this, um, and I didn't see it coming at all, but the numerology, um, the Crowleyan numerology that's just glaringly right there in the 9-11 incident. And um, it, it, is this something that you stumbled upon or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I came, I actually came to Crowley from 9-11. I was like an independent 9-11 researcher. Like I wrote oh, about two. Okay. Yeah, to 2004, I kind of realized the whole thing was a big intel scam. And so I just kept researching and, you know, I was loose change. I saw loose change. And I was following a lot of people online. I kept seeing this number 11. I mean, the date of the, the event is September 11th, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I was like really trying to figure out this whole new world order. Is this a legit concept? Are people talking about it? Or is it just some kind of uh, fantasy or fable or myth? And so all those ideas were going around. There was a guy, I think I mentioned him in my book. His name was Captain May. And he mm -hmm. runs something called the Ghost Troop. He's passed away unfortunately but he was like a legit you know cali uh, military guy but he mm -hmm. wrote an article like hey why are all these 11s around here and i said yeah you're noticing a pattern <laughs> like he was a true noticer and so i saw that i'm like yeah what do these 11s mean i have no magical background i've never practiced magic i mean mm -hmm. i'm part of the culture american culture so yeah. how much i've been unwittingly or unwillingly initiated right. into certain things i is an open question which is an important question but Anyway, I've never kind of, I've, you know, I, I watched things. I, I've read the, the Satanic Bible, the Levay, just because I was curious. I was definitely a researcher. So I had this thing in my mind, like, what are these 11s in 93? And I actually remember, like, the Flight 93, I remember being in Vegas, and there's a guy walking around with a shirt on it with a huge 93, and he's dressed kind of like in a cult, like all in black. And I'm like, what is that number? Why is that number here? And so... Mm -hmm. I saw the numbers in 77s and I just, just in my consciousness of doing a lot of research, it was like, okay, so this number has something to do with magic. This 11 number has something to do with magic. And then I found out that 93 kind of corresponded in Crowley's system to the Gematria. So if you have the Kabbalah, a subset of the Kabbalah is Gematria, which is transforming words into their numerical value and adding it up. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that Crowley had this 93, which was very important to him. It's really probably his prime number beyond 11. Um, you mentioned do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law. That's 11 syllables, 11 words. So he would write his stuff to have correspondent value, magical value. Like it goes on, you know, into the, you know, different realms or whatever, different uh, magical places, I guess you could say. But anyway, so I realized 93, 11. And so then it led me to Crowley. And then obviously... 
it just opened everything up. Crowley definitely believed in this new aeon. He believed in the new world order. He didn't state it like that, but he definitely believed in aeonic change. He wanted to change into the aeon of Horus. And that's kind of what the new world order is and in a lot of ways is this to create, to facilitate change into kind of a, a new idea. So I could see how somebody who's behind this event, 9-11, would be interested in really not just the magic, but the philosophy of Crowley. And uh, so that's kind of what led back to the book. And 11 pops up in, I mentioned earlier, the book of the law. There's a refrain in there. My number is 11, and that's the number of us. But it actually precedes, like we were talking about, the intellectual heritage of do what thou wilt. Well, 11 goes back to this group, and it probably precedes that, but it was called the Golden Dawn which cruelly mm -hmm. passed through. It's a post-Masonic order. What that right. means is you go through Masonry and then you kind of try to get into this group. And it had a lot of elites, really interesting characters, McGregor, Mathers, Yates, mm -hmm. um, who was a famous poet from Ireland, who actually said, like, all of my work is based upon magic. And you can see a lot of his magical implements and stuff like that in the uh, Irish National Library, I mean, museum. But 11, there was a book by one of the founders of the, golden dawn that had number like the number 11 was a uh like a number associated with death desolation and death and so you mm. could see how Crowley would like that but it also had just all kinds of representations in the magical corpus like the esoteric magical corpus going all the way back because it comes together as like the hexagram and the pentagram which is a five and a six and mm -hmm. as a magician you're supposed to like your magical practice is to bring the macrocosm and the microcosm together to you. Mm -hmm. And so that's 11 number you'll see all throughout common modern culture, really, if you look at Harry Potter or Tyler Durden. So 11 mm -hmm. was very important, and that's all written in this map, what I believe is a public magical event. 9-11 was clearly structured on so many levels, like psychological level, spiritual level, political level, financial level. They were thinking on uh, it oh, as yeah, a yeah, I was I was just going to ask you, you know, um, I, I think most of us who spend more than five minutes looking at 9-11, you know, come away realizing, OK, this this wasn't just, you know, a, a, a group, a relatively small group of Middle Eastern terrorists. Um, this was, you know, somebody else's hand. Um, do, do you do you find that. Um, because I think so after looking at your book that clearly um, somebody is a, I guess, a Crowleyite or a Crowleyan. Thelemite, you know, perhaps? Would be maybe, yeah, maybe a Thelemite. A Thelemite. Yeah, I'm sorry. That engineered this. Yeah, because I would the actually numbers say, and the flights and everything. Right. So if you read through the whole book, it's really a book about George Bush Sr. That's really, mm -hmm. I would not put it in the title, but that's kind of like the aha. Uh, yeah. got you know hello eureka part of the book is really mm -hmm. tagging george bush senior as a thelemite who knows a lot about crowley and is really probably a magus at the highest level of kind of initiation past skull and bones or even masonry and well, i i think, I think he, I, just a second let me just finish this one i'm sorry because because it's very important to tie bush into this and that is his famous new world order speech on september mm -hmm. 11th 1990 11 years to the day of the event of September 11. And if you think about how powerful these guys possibly are, and I do, I do think they've been fixing elections for a long time. That means that the event is is magically correlated to the number of the prime number of magic 
the prime number of the New World Order, which is in my book, mm -hmm. and to George Bush Sr. specifically. Mm -hmm. I was just going to throw in there, um, you know, looking at your book, reading your book, um, and, and the material about when you get this look at George Bush, you know, HW, um, I would say, what do you think about the theory? Because I would say after looking at this, um, the, the theory that a lot of people dismiss that Barbara, you know, was possibly Crowley's child, um, you see what you present about George H.W., and it makes you wonder, you know, oh, I, I still, what do you think about that? Well, I've heard people discount it. They don't do a very good job because right. those two met with very young age. And this mm -hmm. is kind of like an elite arranged marriage. I think George Bush Sr. Mm -hmm. was only 16 and she was like 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. They're two years mm -hmm. apart. And the timing of her mother being in France at the time Crowley was there fits up. And if you can, you can just take a picture and go, this is Barb and this I is Crowley. So. And you go, they look the same. It's probably a good question for AI, actually, is to see yeah. if these two are possibly relative. Because <laughs> they ran, they ran in Russia, they ran all the pictures of the moon landing. In AI and AI said this is baloney, and it is baloney. The moon landing is total baloney, and a really? precursor to yeah. The moon landing is complete baloney and a precursor to 9/11 actually, and George Bush has probably got his hand in that too. I find that um, interesting. The precursor to 9/11. Yeah, just to go back to Barbara Bush, she uh -huh. is a very strange person. She had uh, statements made like Crowley. She's very much an elitist like Crowley. Crowley was a classicist in the classist in the like died in the wool like there was nothing about him about the common people in his writings he said have no nothing to do with the dross of society find a diamond and polish it so he would only kind of, he was a priest to the princess is really what it was so it fits in yeah. that somebody like the bushes or the rockefellers would be interested in those ideas and Crowley was in new york for four years so he might have come across some of these other elites that we don't know of well that isn't included in his biography which is called right. confessions but she at the time um crowley was in in paris he was always kind of coming and going but he liked paris he kind of come across hemingway and other figures uh somerset mom wrote a book about mm -hmm. crowley but it was yes, from their magician. times in paris this is before paris became a dump like it is now like a third yeah. world or fourth world dump it actually yeah. was the city of lights and all the elites would want to go there to be part of the food and the culture mm -hmm. and kind of literary head it was kind of like a classy hollywood back then like, and some illumination under the surface sure and crowley was there he was with a guy harris was his name he was kind of like a sybarite like crowley and crowley was doing something called ecl he was mm -hmm. doing just another one of his magic workings i don't know if this is like uh it's called erato comatose lucidity and the, okay. the, his writings are so bizarre there's so many weird things but this is one of his ideas which is to basically go into a kind of uh, out of your body experience, but you would mm -hmm. need servitors. You would need basically kind of like almost like a temple prostitute to facilitate the working. And the rumor mm -hmm. is, is that Barbara Pierce, right? That's her maiden name. No, mm -hmm. Barbara. It was, uh, I can't remember her first name. Her real last name is Pierce, but mm -hmm. was there with Crowley doing this and then got pregnant. And it kind of would fit in with Crowley's kind of idea about fatherhood which is he would just you know yeah let's do it i think he had five kids he never paid any attention to one died one, one he said you know you'll make a nice prostitute 
There was another one. This woman yeah. came in and McAlpine at the end of his life and said, I want you to bear my child. I said, sure. His name was Ataturk. And he kind of took on, he was like sleeping on park benches and wearing cruelly uniforms. Like he didn't turn up to much. But mm. uh, it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that cruelly uh, fathered a child, fathered this woman's child. You have to wonder with the uh, the the occultism that the you know that certain Nazi you know um, uh, individuals were involved with, and when you look at Prescott Bush, um, you know it, to me it, it makes it even more possible that um, you know the marriage between H. W. and Barbara, and then him going on being put in the position to, and and becoming president. Um, if this of course wasn't all by design, I mean, people have assumed it was by design in other ways, but from this Crowleyan magical perspective, it just adds more fuel to that fire. Wouldn't you think? No doubt. No doubt. And you can go see a picture of Barbara Pierce with her family. She's a genetic outlier. She does not look like her siblings, by the way. And she has mm. kind of weird Crowley had was really Irish. He was actually kind of, he had kind of a blocky head. He had a kind of a mm -hmm. narrow shoulders block yet he tried to cover up by wearing uh scarves and stuff but she mm -hmm. has that kind of big i mean if you've seen certain i mean it's like a physiognomy yeah. physiognomy of some irish people's they could just have big heads for whatever reason yeah. uh really people but i'm not trying to be mean or anything but um no. so she's an outlier but a lot of those guys are into the occult they're very bored you know they're mm -hmm. rich mm -hmm. and um I mean, the, the the bushes are three generations of bonesmen. That's like that's a secret society. People don't know yeah. some of the details about it, but there's right. full on tombs. Res uh, Crowley said Satan is the lord of initiation. Those guys are all initiated. They're involved in masonry, house of the temple in in D.C. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that was an arranged marriage. It was kind of like something sure. from Dune, you know, like we got to yeah. get these two bloodlines together. And cry kind of and it would make sense to follow that through to the events of 9-11 make perfect sense because it all the pieces fit together in your mind mm -hmm. but they they strain credulity like you couldn't believe it like what yeah. is this really the... I, except in the house of Trades, it'd be house arconan right <laughs> right so well that's the whole that's the whole thing is that paul is a mix of both houses right yeah right like yeah. his why his, 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 the duke harconan is his mom's is a grandfather yeah the, the, so, this this is dark on all sides when, when you know with the hw and barbara i would think you know that's the way with, these with people think though they're different sure. they're into breeding and the social register and all that stuff you know not breeding on love that's the whole thing about their relationship is like it was almost arranged it's yeah, not like something where like you know we just met and fell in love like normal right. like the usual right. standard people like right. oh, man, i like her i like him you said that these are the people you'd see in eyes wide shut yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Good one. Um, so it, the Bushes are princelings. They are from the Rockefeller lineage. They are the people who have served the Rockefellers oh. in multiple generations. Now that's, that, that's people, really, they kept it all covered up. Yeah. That's really interesting that you said that because um, Walter and I wrote a book called The um, Curious Case of Margareta Todd. And um, interestingly enough, supposedly she was a Von Hoffman from the Von Hoffman paper mill fortune and the von hoffmans are related to the rockefellers and roosevelt's and all that too so i can definitely resonate with everything that you're saying right now that's yeah, not a it, joke they, they keep it quiet they don't want to know it. but really the skull right. and bones is kind of like the 
the dark arm of the wasp elite really they have been involved in all a lot of those guys are in business or cia mm -hmm. so bush and you one some of these interesting uh books that are out there that actually they revealed is like george bush and barbara and their social like it's not the foundations it's their social cliques where there were clubs they were going they were in every major elite club imaginable not just uh the bohemian club or the, uh right. you know yell there are clubs that the average person has no idea, but they were in there dining, networking, talking to very powerful people. And one of the things that George Bush Sr. was notorious for was almost like Crowley was his correspondence, constantly writing letters to his friends. They would send out thousands of Christmas cards. So he was very much socially networked and he must have known. And his son was was a prince. I mean, there's pick was George Bush Jr.'s whole background is a legend yeah. it's an intel legend it's totally fake he's oh, like a yeah. he's a prince like he's well like i'm i'm glad you brought him up uh it, it therefore with the with this background and when when you read this book prophet of evil folks um it it's even further as we already know but further solidified is no surprise that 9 11 happened while junior was in office um no, he was selected get, he was prepped yeah. He's sure. actually brilliant. He's a great actor. He's a oh, sure. first-rate actor. There's, and I think his dad sure. is too. Like if you see him um, with their open mouth, like uh, grinning, these are all fake, like acting things. Like he'll come out like, ah, they'll make these funny faces, but it's like an inside joke for them. And you George know, you Bush can't... Jr.'s George Bush Jr.'s Texas accent is fake. It's fake. Right. Well, you you can't be an idiot and get in that office, folks. I I, I mean, even Gerald Ford was. Not that big of an idiot, but um, <laughs> let's get into the, because this was, I just found this, wow. Um, a 9-11, the whole thing with the flight numbers, each one of the flights involved is a number linking to Philly McMagic, right? No, I think 93 is the real giveaway. 11 yeah. is generally it's associated with Crowley. It's probably most mm -hmm. known in his system, to my knowledge, is the 11s. Mm -hmm. But the uh, 77-2 is very important to him. It's like the number of his Lieber 77, which mm -hmm. is Lieber Oz, right? It translates to Oz, like, mm -hmm. which even gets even more interesting. But uh, that thing says there's no God but man, and you can do whatever you want. And, and if anybody thwarts your will, you can kill You should kill them. Like that's mm -hmm. literally what Crowley wrote. And that, that whole writing is actually fully kind of full of correspondences and magical thinking that's supposed to resonate through the planes or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so 77 and then 175, there's kind of a con in the common parlance of like Luciferianism. It's which God do you adore? And that's what, that's what 175, the ritual of 175 is. So you had the first plane to hit those towers was 11, which are giant 11, right? They're a giant mm -hmm. 11 in the sky. Uh, 110 stories, right? Like, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. This is all done. Yeah. Um, and it has the Typhonian kind of like uh trident underneath going all the way up to the sky, so it's like an F, like an F you to God. Like that trident mm -hmm. is very powerful, kind of, and it pervades kind of studies I've done in the order of nine angles. But uh, so the first plane was uh, uh 11, then 175, which God do you adore? The 93 was the one that crashed supposedly in Shanksville, and 77 hit the Pentagon. Whose brown ground baking date was September 11th, 1945. So you can get mm -hmm. these are these are somebody's thinking on the, these levels, yeah. So you do think that 
the uh, Flight 77 actually did hit the Pentagon as opposed to a missile? I think it was a missile. I, th I don't think I think all the planes were switched out or something happened. Like they were mm -hmm. doing all kinds of drills this day, that day. I remember yeah. there was a guy saying, is this in real life or a drill? Like they were confusing even the kind of air traffic controllers and other people. So I think that this, the planes got switched out somewhere in Ohio or something. So the flights came out of Boston, switched out. They couldn't leave it to chance. So they droned the ones into the towers and then hit the the a missile that I mean it's totally nonsense because if you were really a terrorist, it was a straight shot right down from the flight path right into Rumsfeld's office. So instead they we got to get these these uh accountants who are looking into one right. two point three trillion missing. Let's get them. So right. yeah. And and let's conveniently hit the part that there's been construction going on, so there's going to be a, a minimal number of people in there. Same as with the towers, there it, it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't a full, full day, my understanding. You know, and they were um, have, they were going to have to take the towers down at a certain point. They were not uh, set up to last for very long, mm -hmm, which right. is somewhat telling. And it goes back to actually their foundation in the early '60s. Like, who put that together? Who? was there i mean there's a kind of a famous picture of david rockefeller sitting in front of the towers being built and mm -hmm. he's got his arm up and his watch says 9 11 you ever seen that oh geez i've not seen that one that's 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 really so um, that's the concept of the priest to the princess goes back so these guys like a lot of these ideas uh -huh. they're shared with the elites but the proles and people like that they don't get exposed to that they don't get exposed to that kind of uh occult elite occultism yeah I don't even know what I wonder, exists, Yeah, I, I wonder, I, I guess they just look at it, you know, a guy like W and his dad, they just look at it as just a, a big fraternity, a special fraternity that they're in. Um, so. Or do I you see them as so real sinister wizard type guys that are deeply into this? Both. Absolutely yeah. both. Absolutely. I think that they're into power. It's the brotherhood mm -hmm. of death. I think they're all connected. They all know the secret signs, handshakes, statements. Mm -hmm. um and uh they have changed the world after like it's kind of a strange thing because the nazis really wanted world domination yeah and they ended up really getting spanked or shellacked in world war ii and mm -hmm. the u.s filled that role much better than hitler could have ever with with ever. with the help of nazis <laughs> no doubt so in a way, they um, now the one really disturbing thought about um, the idea that the planes were switched out, which I think I definitely think there's, you know, that's viable, is the idea that what did they do with the actual planes? They landed them, put these, took these people somewhere in a field or a hangar, and you know, what did they do? Just gun them all down, and uh, you know, it's either fly them into a building and they die that horrible death, or they just coldly are. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty horrible. exterminated, you know. Um, it's horrible to think, yeah. Or, or maybe flown right into the ocean, like uh, flight uh, was it 1370, 370, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, do you see? Um, do you put much into? There's been folks. I, I myself have written about this on my blog. Uh, I'm definitely was not the first or the only one. The idea that 9/11 uh had a definite uh, impact on the psyche of the american public in a magical way but with what you talk about in your book 
it even further argues that 9-11 was a blatant magical act, you know, done on the public. Absolutely. I think it was all, like I said, it's a structured event. And what I mean by structure is there's mm -hmm. all these layers of thought going into it. And they probably right. war gamed it over and over. They sure. knew the effect. They were trying to have the most impact on every kind of almost like every spectrum of the world. The, the financial, the puts, the benefit, mm -hmm. the knowing that the Department of Defense was going to get a ton of money, that the spigots mm -hmm. were open, that they were going to have 0% interest rates. They, they pumped and they were brilliant. They pumped and dumped the entire economy from uh, 2001 to 2008. That whatever happened, that crash was all done by intent. It was actually a banking war that benefited Chase Manhattan. Who yeah. runs Chase? What's, what's Chase also known as? The Rockefeller Bank, right? So, indeed. Yeah. So, my, I used to have watched, I was a member of Washington Mutual and the, oh, they yeah. didn't get the bailout funds and I became a member of Chase. I was like, what? I woke up one day, I guess Chase is my bank because, yeah, because the, somebody got money and somebody didn't. The branch up the street from me, I remember when it made the switch over, we're going to be Chase now. I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? Absorbed by the Borg. Um, yeah, no, very skillfully, very skillfully. So I do believe that it was an occult ritual. I think it was it was done as a human sacrifice. Oh, and, and don't forget on the money part, what is it? The 20, is, Am I getting the number wrong? The 23 trillion or is it 2.3 trillion that... I think he said right so that's the, the 2.3 is what 666 right yeah, yeah well or it was the day before rumsfeld yeah yeah rumsfeld is reporting on september 10th oh we can't account for this money and then of course the 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 all the paperwork that could uh tell us about that where it went just you know was, was likely destroyed in building seven i think right it's so the, the 23 enigma is something that goes back to burroughs too so oh, yeah. maybe they were having a little fun. But George Bush was at the Ritz-Carlton right there in mm -hmm. Virginia, maybe even being able to see the Pentagon at the time with a member of the bin Laden family. And where, where do they go to war against in two years' time, which is Iraq, which was Saudi Arabia's kind of uh, – was a, a pain in the, the, the side of Saudi Arabia. They were the Israelis and the U.S. and the Saudi Arabians and the Iranians were all on board with just destroying Saddam Hussein. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the real history of that, those eight years, like I lived through them, the real history is just almost uh, unbelievable. Like you, people just couldn't be, believe the kind of things they got away with. But uh, I think um, that, yeah, so the magical rituals there. But also one of the things that you have to remember is another mm -hmm. thing that most people and not a lot of, 9-11 researchers understand or consider is that George Bush came up in the CIA during all of these behavioral modification programs. Yes. It's yes. not just MKUltra, it's artichoke. Right. The, the real purpose of all of these sub-projects was to control society. Yeah. It wasn't the people make this misunderstanding like they're trying to find a mind control patsy. They are trying to find a mind control patsy, but they're trying to manipulate everything. We're doing drug testing. They're checking out all kinds of different philosophies, hippies. They're just, there's so much information. And so people think of like the Manhattan Project and you see mm -hmm. this movie that came out where they did the Manhattan. There was the same type of thing with mind control. There were, it was mm -hmm. all over like the Manhattan Project was distributed through so many different sections of the United States that didn't intentionally 
were compartmentalized. They didn't see the center thing. The same thing was going on with MK Ultra. The guys at the top knew yeah. what the results were and they're hidden. But the, the guys, even like these, these crappy CIA doctors and psychiatrists, they were just doing the work and put, giving their information up to somebody at the CIA at the top. These guys at the top of the CIA didn't know all that stuff. So they True. know how to traumatize, how to isolate, how to suggest things to people in the suggestible states. Bush, you senior knows all that stuff. So when I say Magus and stuff like that, I'm not like overstating it. Like this is what happened. So yeah. exactly when that event happens, this traumatic event, 3,000 right. dead, Bin Laden, baby. Bin Laden, we got to go to war. And yeah, they just hammered away at that. I, I was in the Middle East the day it happened. I was in counterterrorism for a number of years. And I was in the Middle East. I was in Amman, Jordan, doing my job when that happened, ironically. And um, what I've noticed, and I've talked about it a lot here, I talked about it then, there was this, to me, now I was somebody who had, I'd been in the FBI, I'm an Air Force officer, I was an OSI agent, you know, my 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 career was in national security, right? And to me, most of the patriotism that I saw emerge from that had this weird robotic artificial feel to it. It was, it felt strange. It felt like this flag waving, waving everybody putting their magnetic flags on their cars and this, it, it just, it, it was weird, you know? And I, I came from a profession where you know, there's a lot of patriotic people and, you know, uh, whether we're being used or not by the imperial machine. Um, but uh, I just found it to be, uh, I think, a product of what we're talking about, this this induced, forced, rah-rah America, so that they could get away with whatever they wanted to do with the military, with the industrial complex and on and so forth. I think that was part of, I, in fact, I think that's a, what I'm trying to say is that's evidence and a, and a sign that something magical was done on the psyche of the public with that. No doubt. No doubt. So it no was, doubt about it. It was. And they also instituted, weird. when they caught a lot of these so-called terrorists, which sure turned out not to be terrorists, and were taken to Guantanamo, those yeah. people all got the MK Ultra treatment. You can go watch the pictures. Sensory deprivation, isolation. So people who think like, hey... That whole pro this is a lie that is perpetuated, which is a total lie. We shut the program down in 1975, and they don't talk about its application. They deliberately right. don't get that next uh, question going. The application was at Guantanamo, Guantanamo and other places. You can see those pictures. They're very easy to find out. I, I've said it before. I've written about it. My audience knows this. Um, the U.S. Air Force was the one branch in the 50s that really liked MK Ultra, and they have never had to come clean before Congress on what, because that what they did was they learned from the CIA and in the late fifties, they broke off and started developing their own MK ultra program. They've never ever had to tell the public what they've done with MK ultra since 1958. Think about same that. Thing with Naval intelligence was the same thing. They, oh, would hide, yeah. they would hide their programs in different parts of this huge military yeah. industrial complex. Mm -hmm. So when Eisenhower warns about that, People don't see how big it is. So yeah. there's, I mean, I mean, we, it's a whole nother show, but they, these guys, I mean, one of the great things about Bush, I mean, Bush and what a rogue he was, was the shooting of Ronald Reagan. So they get into office yeah. in 1980 and within the first yeah. year, this guy who's obviously been tank tampered with 
takes a shot at him. It probably wasn't the guy who actually shot, much like Sir Ian Surian. And who would have been president? George Bush Sr. And Reagan didn't want George Bush as his running right. mate, much like Kennedy and didn't JFK want Johnson. And... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like they, it was Ex like, it's politics, man. We got to do this. He's your guy. He's going to help you win. And, and it ended With... up turning up to be that George Bush Sr. pretty much ran that administration anyway. Really. Yeah, because what was it? By the second term, the... Um the age was beginning to affect yeah, Reagan, you know, yeah. so. He's like um, a Biden. Actually, now, better off than Biden. Biden's probably. I mean, oh, if yeah. that really is Biden out there, that's a 50. Yeah, I think Biden is way beyond even what, you know, people even imagine Reagan was. Now, with, okay, on 9-11, the fact that there were um, Middle Eastern Islamic uh, players on the field and this thing involved, I never thought about this until you know, um, your book and, and learning, you know, more about Crowley from the, this perspective. Um, if it, I'm guessing, or have you found anything um, from the, the Middle Eastern involvement, uh, they have a long tradition of magic, like Sufism has occultism and, and Crowley as a young man was a real fan and student of Sir Richard Francis Burton who himself is an interesting guy. Um, I've written about him, but um, w do you see anything in here from the, uh, the, the Middle Eastern magical tradition perspective, you know, that would have played a hand in this 9-11 as a magical act? Not off the top of my head, but I do know that Crowley dedicated his autobiography to three people, and one of them was Burton. So he really yeah. kind of emulated Burton and a lot of his adventuring and stuff like that. But as far as kind of Middle Eastern kind of uh, magical act, nothing really overt. Um, you know, we know that the Hashashin is from there and, and mm -hmm. uh, modern day Iran. But whether kind of it came, I didn't see any traces, only in as much as Crowley kind of integrated maybe some of his stuff into that. But mm -hmm. no. Okay. I think that I think that the the Saudis were on board with the event. I think that they that's why so many of those people supposedly were yeah. from Saudi Arabia is yeah. because there was a a friend Bandar Bush is like the supposed or Bandar I forgot his last name but they call him like the other fifth fifth uh, mm -hmm. Bush brother mm -hmm. or whatever. But uh, they have a tight relationship and I think that that was always very much cultivated uh, with of a good relationship with Saudi Arabians up until very recently okay okay well i want to uh todd i want to get you back in here i know you've got hey. some, some questions in mind uh oh man i was just amazed i mean what a great conversation we're so lucky to have Liam ramsey on our show tonight i mean yeah wow i mean my mind is blown blown i mean you guys pretty much you pretty much answered all the questions i had uh you know me. I mean, I've, I've emailed you about the four P before. I'm a, a that that's the main thing I like to research is the four P. Um, in the case when the in the case that Walter and I are working on right now, that number eleven sure does pop up. Um, Which case is that? This is a cold case from Southern California uh, from 1981. Um, yeah. It's the Diane Brown case uh, from San Bernardino. It's a uh, it's kind of an interesting case, but we're we're currently investigating it. 
And just like with uh, Rick Spence and I, the the case we wrote about from 1915, Mm -hmm. um, we're still waiting to hear back from the uh, closed case detective. Um, Mm -hmm. This area gets, it's interesting, whenever you find a case that clearly has occult implications, well, it seems like the police department has a hard time getting back to you or those records don't exist anymore. And, you know, Rick Spence and I found that with the case we wrote about and uh, we're still waiting. You know, we're, we're doing some footwork here uh, with Todd um, on what we're looking into. And I find it very interesting and particularly from, you know, you have the, 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 the Crowley, um, you know, connection to California, obviously through Jack Parsons, but I was able to, um, uh, for the book Rick and I did, I was able to um, prove that Crowley had to pass through San Bernardino during the 1915 mystery. And I got that. I was able to prove that through the um, Southern Pacific Railroad. Um, wow, because, Is that in yeah, your book, Empire of the Wheel? Uh, Santa Fe Railroad. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Empire of the Wheel. It's because of the, it was the Mexican War. See, they had all the rail traffic on the southernmost route. Uh, they diverted passengers off of that because um, you know, Pancho Villa and them kept raiding across the border. So any traffic going between the West and East Coast of the United States from Southern California had to come through San Bernardino and take the uh, route, which is now um, uh, like where Highway 40 is, which is a little farther north than, mm-hmm. than 10. But uh, mm-hmm. so we had Crowley passing through here directly during the middle of the mystery. And I have to tell you that I, I looked at this and I didn't find anything overt that suggested to me that Crowley would have had a hand in what Rick and I suspect here. Um, uh, but I do think, and Rick agrees, that uh, whatever did happen here was one of the influences on his novel, The Moonchild or Moonchild. Uh, when you look at when he wrote it, I know it didn't get published till 1923, but he started writing it in 1917, less than 18 months after he passed through here um, mm. during this mysterious period. So, what you know, and and on his big tours, you're well aware of during uh, the World War One period, you know, he spent a fair piece of that in California. So it's interesting that um, he had uh, interests here. Um, it seemed to connect him to this place. And of course, California, I think is known as, as uh, the, the uh, aside from being the nuttiest state in this regard, <laughs> you, you know, the, the probably the cultiest state, I right, think. No doubt, my, yeah. you know, He's passed through California twice. He said that he just missed the California earthquake, quake, uh, the big one in 1906 on mm-hmm. his first circumnavigation of the globe uh-huh. by a week. So yeah. I know that he popped through there, and then the other circumnavigation must have brought. I think he writes about it in in Confessions, being in mm-hmm. L.A. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. So. Did um did Harry Houdini ever pop up in your research on this no, stuff? No, but I remember Crowley kind of went through New Orleans. He was mm-hmm. at the the Absinthe House. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So I know he went from there to LA. So it would make sense of him passing through San Bernardino. He's mm, coming yeah. to LA because he would have had to. Yeah. San Bernardino was still a, a very big one, but for, for my gosh, the better part of a century, um, it, it has been a major railroad hub 
passenger and freight and and back then big time it was like i said it was it was uh this place was different i see it as um uh, an area a city a valley that was assassinated if that makes sense assassinated with magic and um, it, it's very, but, but that's all that's in the mine and Rick's book. And uh, I just, uh, when, when I made the discovery that Crowley was in the area, and then when I looked deeper into it and realized he had to pass through here, it was just, you know, it, it was mind blowing. And that's what led me to contact Rick Spence because okay, of his book, Agent 666. And I got more details from that, which, which led to me saying, hey, Rick, what do you think? You want to write this thing with me? Um, so uh, it is said, do you think it's true that his, is it, I guess it's true that his last words were, I am perplexed. That's what is that said. true? Yeah. I don't, that's what it's written. I think in my research, I remember that, that, that supposedly is what he said. I am uh, perplexed. <laughs> um, and it's interesting that he dies in 1947. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big date, huh? Is that one of those happy accidents of history, or I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I mean, why did he write that whole thing about Lamb? Like, how did he put that together in the Alamantra working in New York City in 1918 that all now has yeah. permeated the entirety of UFO culture? Right. Like, mm -hmm. it goes all the way through communion yeah. to the mm -hmm. present. Yeah. Hey, William, uh, I have a question. When he came to New York the first time, um, he came there as a sort of a agent, agent working for the British. But was he also was he associating with other occultists in New York? I think so. You know, he was looking back. It wasn't really one of the main parts of my inquiry into Crowley at that time. Mm -hmm. But he was aware of other occultists. I remember he was on a ship, and it was either Annie Besant he was on the ship with, mm -hmm. but he knew like his travels through. Northern California, he knew the guy who was the Rosicrucian guy, whose name I can't right. remember, in San Jose. Mm -hmm. So it, him being with other occultists is not side, outside the realm of possibility. He seems um, to have been trying to teach people occultism all the time. Right. He was kind of a yeah. ped, pedant, you know, in that regard, like mm -hmm. just like constantly trying to school people. Um, right. So there were other people. I'm trying to remember some of the names. There was like Walter Durante he was hanging out with and slipped him. Uh, mm -hmm. some anilonium and they call it like a basically it was mushrooms like he's doing tricks on people right so how much of those yeah i remember he was with the famous uh he did a working with a famous actress at the time whose name right. kind of lost to history did, did the but, name uh ingersoll lockwood or just ingersoll come up by any chance you could i could look at my copy of confessions and do that i mean i think okay. he mentioned so many people by name now, yeah. if I remember correctly, I have to go back and read Spence's book. Well, I told I would talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm always referencing it in my Crowley discussions. Mm -hmm. But Crowley knew so many people in like the Intel community. Mm -hmm. He just mentioned so many name drops. He's a total name dropper in confessions. Yeah. So you could just go up and look at Ingersoll and Confessions. But like if I were if like that's my third edition of Prophet of Evil, by the way. That's oh, the, wow. So yeah, I've, okay. I've, I've rewritten it. I mean, the first, the first book. I'll, I'll show it to you. It's pretty funny. I was actually popped it out because I published it in 2010. When I first published it, I was such a noob. I literally printed it out on my printer. I don't know. Let's see if I can see this. There's this. 
It's doing that weird green I'm screen gonna, thing. Okay, I'm watching. This. <laughs> I'll show this is actually my first, first version. Is on like a piece of paper. I see this. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Yeah, literally a oh. ring binder. There you go. <laughs> that was like what, my original first cover. So that, like that is so punk. Yeah. So this and that literally people have this copy like it's around somewhere. Um, that was yeah, but. Uh, you know, if I reread, if I redid my Crowley stuff and did a four, fourth edition, I would look into more of his Intel ties because mm -hmm. he, you can you can cross reference those days so much, uh, those names so much easier now, right? With the mm -hmm. internet that you could yeah. back then and news articles, and things right? Like that. And now it's interesting that seventy seven is one of those um, Crowley uh, magical numerology um, numbers. Because you know, um, the first Talking Heads album was actually called '77. I'm not surprised. There's so yeah. many weird Crowley connections yeah. all throughout music and stuff like that. It's half of like the Beast in the. So you'll see his Babylon uh, sigil too has the '77s mm -hmm. all over. So it's some mm -hmm. kind of reference to that. There's all in the Satanic Bible. There's 77 names of Satan, right? Oh wow. So there's all that yeah, 70. Yeah. So '77 is. I can't be Indian. If you read my book at the very end, the George Bush section, his aircraft carrier's number is 77. So it's yeah. not, these are not accidental, man. The guy is a full Thelemite. I'm almost 95% sure. That well, and with religion, the, it wasn't Christian. Oh, go ahead, Todd. Speaking of the beast, 666, mm -hmm. Satan and Lucifer, uh, before I forget, I just want to bring up the song of the month. The song of the month this month is He Is by Ghost. It's the perfect song that encapsulates our uh, conversation perfectly. It's almost like a devotional to Lucifer himself. I highly recommend anyone in the chat or watching later on to go out and check out that song. Back to you, Walter. Hey, hey. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that, um, uh, you know, before seeing, you know, your book and, and what we're talking about in this discussion, you know, my question would be, okay, was Crowley just a, a, you know, a pebble that, you know, he dropped himself in the waters of time and he caused a ripple, but you, he, he's more than that because if indeed he was Barbara Pierce, Barbara Bush's father, and, and if HW was a Thelemite, um, Crowley was more, consciously and directly involved in all this stuff we're talking about that we're dealing with even today i would say in politics like yeah yeah they think of him as like a religious occult leader but if you read my book and you get through that he had a political philosophy he believed in mm -hmm. freedom the standard of freedom he believed oh, yeah. in his ideal society was a uh, aristocratic feudal society he thought it was optimal run by men and uh you know the cattle shall serve he almost like uh the cows are there to use for their, you know, leather and mutton and, and give them the, the quiet wisdom of the cow. That's what he thought. Like that's, mm -hmm. he had total contempt for other human beings. He was a total, like I said, member of the elite class of uh, upper class England at that very class conscious country back then, for sure. Still mm -hmm. is. But uh, yeah, I think that it, uh, his political ideas are people overlook, I think. And that's why I included them in the book. Do you think that um, what the intention then, therefore, even particularly from this the Thelemite perspective, do you think that the intention of 9-11 was the success now that they intended it to be? 
Oh, a blazing success. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they fulfilled almost all of their objectives. Change society, Patriot mm -hmm. Act, huge mm -hmm. wealth transfer to the elite, to the military industrial complex, total police state, mm -hmm. um, Department of Homeland Security, changing the culture, maligning uh, Muslims. Um, destroying a middle class, destroying the middle class, the power of a middle class, because anytime you go from feudal or what have you to a more free society, that, that usually is brought about by a strong middle growing middle class or results in that. So therefore, um, you have to destroy that middle class if you want to turn us all into serfs again, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. No Crowley's, hope to rise above. Crowley's definition of magic is to... Uh, Create change in the world in conformance with will. So if their will is to do that, that's what I think they achieved. Mm -hmm. I think over those eight years. I mean, if you read about the Bush administration, he would get up every morning. His dad would call him. They would have a 30-minute hour call. Yeah. Uh, Bush Jr. is like his lack, his dad's lackey. And his dad had tons of experience. And like, I don't know if you yeah. And let's not forget the only person that um Bush Jr., George W. Bush, pardoned while he was governor of Texas was Henry Lee Lucas. Correct. And George oh. Bush Jr. has a lost year. I mean, he literally has a lost year. There's, I mean, and he called his dad a god. My dad is a god. Like, that's very much of an occult kind of cruelly. Wow. But there's a lost year. I mean, you there was lost stories about Bush uh, mm -hmm. being on the border towns of uh, Texas and, and um, Mexico. And that area is known for occultism, Matamoros. Oh, yeah. Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, Adolfo, Constanza. Yeah. Well, but he's just one of many. That whole thing, narco-trafficking, narco-satanic satanic right. trafficking. Uh, Magdalena Solis, the Solis cult. Yes. There you go. Yeah, good. Yeah. 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 And there's well, all hey, kinds of dark stuff there. Like the, yeah. Uh, hey, can, can I just... Girls. Can I ask mm -hmm. one question? Now, the, the pilot episode of the X-Files spinoff, The Lone Gunman, do you think that was planned to be that way or just a happy coincidence? I think it was planned. There's all kinds of like hints for foreknowledge of 9-11. So that's probably one of those things that came out. Okay. But there's Revolution foreknowledge method. in Fight Club, which is a 1999 movie. The Big Lebowski. Another 19. What was what's Big Lebowski's reference? I don't remember. Uh, Big Lebowski, he's going through the uh, the checkout, and and, uh, right. and it, the the, the nine, nine the it's nine eleven, and uh, the, uh, George H uh, W Bush is giving the New World Order speech. Oh, that's right. I remember that. That's a really yeah. good one. Yeah. So then you Matrix. had uh, Matrix, right? So uh -huh. Matrix, Anderson's nine eleven, Fight Club, mm -hmm. which is the two towers go down at the very end, nineteen ninety nine. Mm -hmm. And then enemy of the state, I think one of the, I think one of the driver's license. It's a nine eleven, uh, yeah. so it's all there. And I think it's even in Back to the Future as a reference to nine yeah. eleven. I think so. There, the it's like it's bubbling around through the culture. Like people are like, "Hey, man, something's gonna happen," or like they must. People must have just known. And it's yeah. like weird things happen on nine eleven. Like people died, but like I think it was the the guy, Family Guy. Like, I almost got on a plane, then I didn't get on. I just survived, you know? Oh, I was supposed to be in the towers, but I wasn't. You mm -hmm. know, there's all kinds of weird stories that make you kind of question, like, what the... Right, what right. Did you know, and I, the no. guy who was from Family Guy, if I remember, I don't remember his name, but right. I think he went to an elite prep school. Like, he was from a... He is from a kind of Eastern elite family, so maybe somebody said, hey, you might, might want to stay mm -hmm. home tomorrow. Right. Well, um... 
this is usually uh, where we take questions from the live chat. Would you, are you open sure. for that, William? Sure. Okay. So let's open up the uh, live chat. We'll do that for about 20 minutes. Great. And remember folks, uh, please uh, all caps if you want us to answer your question or acknowledge your comment, because otherwise it looks like it's just another side conversation. So if you have a question for William or any of us, uh, all caps. So, oh, wait. Well, sorry about that. Uh-oh. Oh, no. My bad. What do we do? He'll come back. Are you sure? He must They got cut off or something. So he'll come back. Wait. Ah, uh, shoot. Okay, wait a minute. Let's try to... He just clicks on the link and comes... Yeah, but does he know that? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. William, hey, just uh, click on the link again. What's that? Yeah. So I, I guess I'm here. Uh, um, Todd, can you can you call him directly and tell him? I don't. I him? don't have his phone number. He has my phone number, but I do not have his phone number. Oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> See, I told you. Okay. Uh, let's bring him back in. Sorry, William. <laughs> that was a just a, a weird tech glitch okay. thing. Sorry about that. So okay. let's go over to. Um, somebody did have. Um, we Some, have a bunch of comments. So where do you want to start? Go go well, let's try to find the first one. They're right here. Okay, so <clears throat> Oswald Spengler asks, does William know of any direct connections between RFK Jr.'s time in California and that of Crowley Parsons? Not off the top of my head. Hey Oswald, I, I know him, but I don't know. I nothing about RFK senior or junior. Well, I, I learned something as an evidence tech with the FBI about the RFK case that I still aren't am not comfortable saying publicly, but it, I'll leave it at that. The RFK, um, the assassin, or him and, and Marilyn Monroe? The, the the assassination, the the forensic stuff. We'll just say oh, yeah. it's um, all a mess. I, There's more bullets yeah. than, than one gun. So <laughs> maybe that. And where and, and where the evidence is is interesting. After how many years? Um, okay. At the time, it was 20 years after a case that's already solved. Hmm. William Joseph, um, guys. Okay, so Michael Dark asks uh, William, "What do you think of the pet goat book being read to Bush?" The shrub by it's Bush. Of, it's all part of the yeah. ritual. It's all part of the worship and right. ritual. Right. Okay, so let's go to. They, you should oh, watch that again. Like they're plane hit building, and then they bow down. Everybody, grab your book. They all bow yeah. down before George Bush Jr. Like oh, he's geez. having, he's having a blast. Oh he's, sure, like, sure. He's externalizing some kind of ceremonial magic that he knows. So he knows, and the fact that it's a goat. Stuff. Yeah. You know, Asmodeus, anyone, right? Um, so uh, Philip Blair asks, is it more than a coincidence the Mountain Meadows Massacre culminated on September 11th, 1857? Nothing would surprise me. I mean, I don't know. That's another. I mean, I was just talking with somebody today about Mormonism and the occult and, and masonry and Joseph Smith's Jupiter pendant and all that stuff. But uh like I said, maybe that an 11 number goes back even further into prehistory. I, I wouldn't know. I know Crowley thought that he, he was not just influenced by Eliphas Levy, but he was the reincarnation of Eliphas Levy. So maybe some of that stuff goes back, predates that. And Eliphas Levy's ideas bled into modern American masonry. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so next question. D. Dorothy wants to know, uh, William, where can they find your book? Well, it's been on Amazon a long time. You can get it there. there you you can get it at my website, William Ramsey Investigates. And the full title is Prophet of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. There you go. There you go. Okay, next question. Do we have... Uh... <coughs> no, we have some from earlier, but I think we already went through most of I think they got answered? or the, Well, we, we got those, so... Um... Well, uh, William, on the on the uh, subject of uh, Sir Richard Francis Burton, which is one of my favorite personal topics, one of my favorite personal historical figures, did you find um, anything on Burton that uh, uh, reflects, um, you know, a, a dark character like Crowley, or was he just someone Crowley admired as a young man? It's a good question. I didn't come across it. I've read some of his stuff into the record his uh you know find, trying to find lake victoria or his quest mm -hmm. to do that with speak um where he was attacked and all the suffering he went through he actually uh, talked about mormonism he actually traveled to uh utah and wrote about yes, that he, he was kind of disappointed because he thought he was gonna have a better time than he did there i'll uh I'll send you my book on him because okay, it good. involves that directly. And I, and I'd be really interested in your opinion from your perspective on what I think Burton it's called the, it's titled the lost expedition of Sir Richard Francis Burton. And in my opinion, Utah was a part of a recon trip before he went to his mysterious, uh, time in South America. You know, he worked for the mm. diplomatic service down there. And then right. as he left that post, he disappears for um, a five-month period. And as we know, Richard Francis Burton wrote about everything he did, and many times in boring detail, but this is a gap or not a word. But I'll send you my book because that- Yeah, it'd be interesting it reading it. That. Yeah. But I mean, okay. he was notorious for like uh, partaking in local customs and also his, he had over footnoted. Like his footnotes were almost over laborious. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. the first infidel to take the Hajj, right? Mecca and Medina for people who don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't, is that Lodevchik? Uh, it was in 1853 that the one mile square town site of San Bernardino was laid out in Babylonian style, a miniature Salt Lake City. Yep. Yep. That, uh, that, that is true. Sam, um, uh, Brigham Young referred to, but how, how did he put it? He, about San Bernardino Valley, he said, hell reigns there. Um, this place is is very weird. I'm not surprised. It hasn't, changed, it hasn't changed much. Not at all. Wrong, you get on the wrong. I don't know. I hope you're not in San Bernardino, but you go. I'm in East Highland. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're somewhat close. I'm in East Highland. Um, more. Uh, we got another question here, or so. Okay. Alrighty. Well, hey. Uh, William, why don't you uh, tell everybody, remind everybody again where they can find you, if you have a blog, all your uh, links and stuff, and again, where they can find your books. Yeah, I have a podcast that is in the top 0.5% podcasts in the world. I signed a contract with Spotify. It'll be almost two years in February. Mm -hmm. So you can see I'm at almost 1,100 episodes on a wide variety of topics. Oh, excellent. I've droned yeah. on about... Crowley, the West Memphis Three, Crowley's mm -hmm. impact on the culture, the Order of Nine Angles, which a lot of people don't know about. And then I've just right. published a book two, month, two months ago about 
this phenomenon of serial killings that has all the trapping of occultism called the smiley face killers. My number of uh, victims globally is over 300 have, who have gone out at night, disappeared later to be found dead in water. Yeah, uh, that Not sounds like a reason that Todd and I will probably want you to come back on a future oh, California yeah. episode. Yeah, it's still happening. They had another death in Chicago. The reason I've published um, the book is because they had two spates of deaths, like 10 deaths in Chicago found in water, and then five in Austin, Texas. And Austin was not considered kind of a place where this would happen. So yeah. the Austin call it the rainy street ripper. If you've ever been to Austin, Texas, that's kind of gotten that term. And Chicago, yeah. they literally had like FBI agents and stuff. They were freaking out because so many people were being found in the waters. But there's even more yeah. cases, tons of cases in Boston, New York. Yeah. Um, so, so that we'll would be my five books. I have five documentaries. You can just... I have all visual studies on all the stuff I did about 9-11. You can see those mm -hmm. on my Patreon okay. page. So if you pay That's five bucks a month, you can just watch all the documentaries you want. And it's more of a visual study. Mm -hmm. And then um, you can buy signed copies at WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. And you can kind of see some of the other articles I've written in my blog and just on a wide variety of subjects. That's about it. Okay, well, we will be uh, making sure those links are in the description and elsewhere um, on the uh, on the Walter Bosley channel page. Uh, I'm definitely going to go check out your perspective on the nine angles uh, topic. That's been brought up to me, and I know very little about it, but it's something that's intriguing. So I, I'm definitely going to check out your podcast for that. And like I said, we'd love to have you back on sometime. And um, Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Appreciate it. All righty. Okay. We're going to, uh, let me see here. Am I doing this right? Here we go. And let me, uh, should I do that, right? Okay. Making sure that I am um, doing all the uh, clicks right. Well, uh, hey, Todd, thank you for um facilitating William Ramsey being here. Yeah. That was, that was fantastic. What and a great do, show. What a great yeah. show. Wow. I, I do hope that he comes back on. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we can get him some <laughs> boopy glasses. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he gives me his address, I will send him some, uh, Robert <laughs> Evans sunglasses, Robert Evans sunglasses. Yeah. Most gotta have definitely. those. Gotta have those. So, Most definitely, um, guys, thank you so much for coming and watching this episode. Yes. I just want to remind everybody to buy Walter's books. Walter, you, you can tell them, tell them where to get the, the great books. Go to walterbosley.com. That will take you to the links. Yes, they are still printed and distributed through Lulu, but you can you can go there through walterbosley.com. And we're always working on adding more stuff and, and improving the site and stuff, but go through there mm -hmm. and um, you, you'll see some of my old blog posts and, and things like that. And also the Ingersoll Lockwood and Margareta um, Todd book. So uh, yeah. there we go. So And uh, next next month's episode of California, I th are we going to do a uh, ninth configuration? I think so. That's what we oh, talked about. So join us next month, guys. That's going to be a great conversation. And watch the movie first if you can. Yes, and and it is streaming right now. Make sure you uh, yeah you check it out. So uh, mm -hmm. well, Todd, thanks again, and thank everybody for uh, watching. 
And uh, we will see you next month on California, but we'll see everybody um, next week or no Friday night. Oh, Friday, Friday, our Friday night stream, right? T-G-I-F. Yeah. So we'll see you on Friday. So, okay, everybody have a good night.